Hello, my name is John Sosha, the father of Jeremy Sosha, and I want to welcome you to the next exciting episode of The Infinite Rabbit Hole. Close your eyes and imagine you're at an amusement park. The sounds of the ride's motors, the chatter from the surrounding people, the screams of the people on the rides. There's wonderful smells in the air, a familiar tune playing in the background, and this amazing feeling of magic all around you. You can't help but sing along with the music. It's a small world after all. Disneyland Resort opened in 1955, and it seems like there is nothing more than fun and adventure waiting for us past the gates. Since then, more parks have opened, allowing for more and more people to experience the incredible magic. However, what about the darker, more sinister things we don't usually get to see or hear about? The many deaths and hauntings over the years? The hidden symbolism in the movies? And even Walt's involvement with NASA? Today, we dive deep into the dark world of Disney and expose some of the things that Mickey Mouse and friends have been hiding from us. Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole. I'm going to put the most, like, fun, <laughs> happy music to that, and it's going to take a sinister twist with a bunch of screaming in the background. It's yes. Awesome. <laughs> Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, everybody. I'm Kenzar, and uh, today we got Disney for you. Uh, introduction to Disney, to be specific. We'll get to that, but until then, let's introduce our hosts, Jeff, with the beer and the crackers, how you doing? I'm good. I'm fat and happy. <laughs> Perfect. That's wonderful to hear. And let's bring in, let's bring in Wes next. How you doing, Wes? I'm doing pretty good. It's fantastic to hear. And last but not least, Jacob. That's me, Jacob. I'll be doing a, a little bit less talking, uh, this episode as i uh smashed the inside of my mouth with a clamp uh note to all the listeners if you put something under pressure with a clamp be sure to protect your face just in case the clamp slips off and smashes you in the face because otherwise you'll bust something open so yeah i'm kind of hurting yeah jake busted lip shill (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay well anybody got any announcements? Anything y'all want to say before I get going here? I'll let you guys go first. Thanks, Jeff. Um, not really. Just want to say I'm stoked for the Disney escapades. Good choice. Thank you. Anybody well, else? I'm wearing the, uh, the t-shirt today. The dinosaurs are fake t-shirt. Uh, you can get it on the Infinite Rabbit Hole store. I am also excited for the Disney thing. The only thing I know about Walt Disney is that he allegedly, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that he was a uh, anti-Semite pedophile scumbag. So I don't know. We'll see (laughs) if it's more than just that. (laughs) 
We'll, we'll get there. Um, the mouthful. Right, cool. Before we get going, though, I wanted to show everybody this wicked skateboard Whoa. that uh, Hush Hush sent me. Shout out to Ooh. Hush Hush Society. I Dude. Mike painted that. Where's mine, Mike? Yeah, for real, Mike. Come on, <laughs> dude. I want a long jealous over here because that's yeah, a badass skateboard. Look at the hey, little man. It's Mike. so cute. How'd Big you Mike. how'd you score that? What did you have to do? Uh, I just joined their live show and they put my name in a dra- in a raffle pot. Oh, oh okay. snap! That's how dog. I won that. Dang, pretty lucky. But yeah, shout out to them. Thanks for the wicked skateboard. It's pretty yeah, cool. Sick. Good job. <laughs> okay, we ready, guys? I'm ready. ready. All righty. Ready. So a lot of this is just short little paragraphs, and then I'm hoping to get a bit of a discussion going. Um, like I said, this is just an introduction to Disney. Um, I'll give you a little snippet of things, and then if the travelers want... I can dive deeper into all of it at a later date. Um, but yeah, just kind of testing the waters here and giving you the surface. Um, so the actress that vo- voiced Snow White may have had her career ruined by Walt. At 18 years old, Adriana Casalotti auditioned for the part of Snow White. A year later, she received a callback and was casted as the princess we all know so well. Adriana was not only the voice, but was also the inspiration for the animator's character design. For all this, she was paid $20 a day, about $970 in total for the film, which would be about $20K today, and was not credited for her role in the 1937 film. At the time, it was customary that voice actors were not given credit, And in the case of Snow White, none of the actors were actually credited because Walt didn't want to spoil the illusion of the actors' voices. He was very particular about this, so much so that it is rumored that Adriana signed a contract that basically blacklisted her from acting. However, Disney didn't have any known contracted actors until 1946. Either way, she would would forever be known only as Snow White. She actually tried to sue Walt for royalties, but unfortunately lost. Now, I said that she may have had her career ruined. Over the years, she worked closely with Walt, acting as Snow White for parades and promotional tours, going well into her 40s. She was only replaced because children started to notice and question how she was getting older. She tried opera, but ultimately had no success. And in 1994, she was the first female voice to be named as a Disney legend by the company. She absolutely loved and adored the character until her passing on January 18th of 1997. But where did Walt get the idea for Snow White? As I'm sure everyone knows, Walt adapted some of his movies from the stories written by Brothers Grimm. They wrote several stories that we all recognize today, including Snow White, Little Red Riding Hood, and many more. However, the original stories don't share the happy ending that we see in the movies. The original stories are much more, well, grim. Snow White was published in the first edition of the Grimm's Fairy Tales in 1812, and it's almost exactly how you remember it in the movies. The stepmother was threatened by Snow White's beauty, so she tried to kill her several times, finally thinking she had succeeded with the poison apple. However, many years later, a prince comes along and manages to wake Snow White up, and of course, they get married. 
happily ever after, right? Yes and no. The original story ends with the evil queen showing up to the wedding and the prince making the evil queen dance herself to death in red hot iron shoes. So Snow White may have gotten her happy ending, but not the greatest ending in general. Several of the grim fairy tales are like this, full of death and violence. In the story of Cinderella, the stepsisters did not fit the golden, not glass, slipper, so they cut off parts of their feet to fit in the shoes. When the prince finally figured out who really wore the shoe, they went on to get married and the stepsisters' eyes were pecked out by two doves that watched over Cinderella before her marriage. Uh, so, yeah, that that's what I got on the Grimm's, Brothers Grimm story and Snow White there. Um, kind of morbid. What do you guys think? Pretty dark. The original stories are pretty dark. I would much rather see those movies, I think, honestly. but Me too. I actually... Oh, I only want one. I went and bought the Grimm's fairy tales just so I was familiar with these books or with these stories. And I got all my stories tabbed, as you can see. Snow White, uh, Little Red Riding Hood, Cinderella. They're all very morbid, very dark, violent stories. Um, A lot of these stories have um, cases of incest and all sorts of stuff like Another thing with the Grimm's brothers, they didn't actually write these stories. They're just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like folklore? Yeah, like it's, it's yeah. They, they took different folklore and they adapted it into their own version of a book, essentially, is what they did. And yeah, this is the, I think, the fifth edition? Well, it doesn't surprise me that Walt Disney would model his children's programming, right? The programming uh, with underlying, you know, sinister motives and weird, like occult or morbid stories, right? Okay. Obviously, you don't notice it. You're a kid, whatever, whatever. But, you know, I'm a big believer in uh, the things that can be done with the subconscious mind and especially like the MK Ultra stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty. It's not surprising. Let's just say that. And he did a lot of that. We get more into that here in a little bit. But Mm. uh, he did a lot of that. And it wasn't just with Disney-specific stuff. It's in all his shows, all the little offshoots, all the Universal stuff. Um, He he was... Disney's on top of that. (laughs) Yeah, I've got some other... Go ahead, Jim. Oh, I was going to say the grim fairy tales ruined Disney for me. Um, I mean, I was a pretty average kid growing up, you know, watched all the Disney movies and all that sort of stuff. I had my favorites. Actually, my favorite was um, the original uh, Alice in Wonderland, like that acid trip like type Wonderland, you know, where it was just like they're playing croquet with the uh, um flamingos and stuff or whatever it was like it was i loved it i loved that movie and when i got into like high school or whatever i actually discovered uh the grim fairy tales and i i bought myself one and it was like 20 different grim fairy tales i don't know how many there are but and it was illustrated and stuff and reading the actual stories and you know where all the disney movies kind of came from 
it like ruined Disney movies for me. Cause I was like, well, these aren't, you know, you know, I hate to be one of those nerds that are like, oh, the, the book is so much better than the movies or whatever. But in this circumstance, it's a hundred percent true because the original stories were so much better than that, you know, washed up fairy tale, you know, bull crap that Disney was, uh, was peddling to kids. And I'm like, man, you should have shown them the original ones, you know, cause nowadays Disney movies, I mean, they, they have so many, um, studios bought underneath them that, I mean, they might as well just be doing all that sort of stuff. Like you see, um, what is it? The, uh, Maleficent movie, right? It's a little bit darker mm -hmm. and some of their live action stuff. It's more in tune with the original stories and it's a little bit darker and stuff. And clearly it's not for, you know, kid kids, right? It's not for, um, kids in middle school and stuff, but even still, it's like, I mean, I dug the grim fairy, fairy tale versions, the original versions, you know, before they were pg rated or g rated or whatever and even that you know and jeff will tell you and ken's are you know you've looked into it now but even that that pg or that g rating um you know we know today you know from some of the symbolism and some of the the uh, subliminal messaging that was in our favorite disney movies that probably should have had a pg-13 r rating on it you know whatever it was because they were pumping so much crap into our brains that we had no idea like jeff was just saying um so i mean honestly if they had stuck with the original and had you know um the evil stepsisters cutting off their toes and stuff like that and everything you know or whatever it was that uh it wouldn't have been even like half bad like the parents would have uh you know attested to it right off the bat and be like oh my gosh gore and violence but then later on when they saw like all the sex references and the dildos everywhere and all that stuff they would have been like oh well you know par for the course i guess <laughs> you know but yeah um getting into the grim fairy tales and seeing the originals and stuff and how um to me, stories like that are, are way more of an art form um, because it takes uh, an incredible amount of imagination to come up with this stuff, even if it takes a very sinister, dark, disturbing twist. But oftentimes you'll find in your favorite uh, types of art that that really dark, heavy stuff that really like opens up your mind and causes you to ponder and think and stuff versus just seeing the surface level of things um, is way more attractive to you. And so that was the case for me. And... I think I've probably seen five Disney movies since then where I'm just like, eh, you know, it's like, oh, what's the original and stuff? I don't know. It just completely changed my mind over as far as like how I view Disney um, because I was like, oh, these aren't even original. They're just ripping them off and, you know, slapping a PG label on them and calling them good and sending them out. You know, it's like what sort of imagination, you know, do you need for that? Oh, yeah. Um, just for the record, this book has. 201 stories in it who send it to me and 10 <laughs> legends uh and it's almost it's just over 650 pages long nice so big That's book awesome. and it's just all short stories and it's of course this had to be the opening cover <laughs> an owl <laughs> everything is owls now god dang um send me the link i'll get it yeah a, I I recommend it. It's it's cool to have just to be able to say I have the Grimm's fairy tales and you want to go read the original Snow White. Let's go do it. Like yeah, here in I a couple of years awesome. when I'm a dad, I'll read those to my kids. You know exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, anything else? Ready to go to the next part? 
Okay. In 1991, <laughs> Pixar announced that they would be partnering up with Disney to create movies. And in 1995, Pixar's first feature-length film was released. Toy Story is about a group of toys that seems to have the ability to come to life when the humans aren't looking. This is just the beginning of the puzzle. There is a theory that was developed by John Negroni that claims that all the movies share a timeline, starting with The Good Dinosaur, moving on to Brave, then The Incredibles, etc. I could list the whole thing, but that doesn't really matter much. What does matter is how both the animals and AI are becoming sentient and harnessing human emotion. As time goes on, you notice more and more that AI seems to be developing its own personality. We also see that the company, by and large, is in almost every single movie. They are a key factor to all of this, since they are the ones who are developing the AI in the first place. AI is harnessing human emotion, since the emotions are extremely powerful something that is demonstrated in the movie Inside Out, and eventually the AI became human, so to speak, just like how the cars took on the personalities of their owners. During this time, BNL quite literally takes over the world. There's even rumor of them mentioning how there's no more governments in WALL-E, Eventually, humans come back to the Earth, which has been livable for quite some time, Proof of this in Bugs Life and WALL-E. And then humans end up thriving on the Earth once again. Other humans end up mutating and get singled out. And then we have a monster takeover. This leads the monsters to rebel and the typical human disappears. But without that human emotion, they don't have renewable energy. So they develop time travel and use doors as portals to collect these emotions. Side note, there's also a theory that suggests the air and water quality wasn't quite up to par, which is why they mutated into monsters. The Pixar timeline has hidden messages of time travel, super soldier experiments, human experimenting in general, AI takeover, a new world order, adrenochrome, and much, much more. Who's to say they're not trying to condition us, knowing such things can very well happen one day. What do you guys think of that? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of, that's why I started with the Snow White and the Grimm story, because same idea, like Jeff was kind of saying earlier, they started trying to condition us with these movies, and now we're in Pixar, and you literally see all these much bigger topics come up. Yeah, they do, uh, <clears throat> at least in my opinion... Sorry, I'm dying. In my opinion, they do a lot of what I consider uh, predictive programming. Um, And not just Disney. I mean, it's all over the place, right? Propaganda is everywhere. But especially Disney because they are reaching out to like small minds that are still developing. But there is so much subliminal messaging in Disney films and movies, you know. And like, I mean, so I say it all the time in my show, like they use the television for it's like television programming, but if you break those words down, it's tell I vision programming, right? So it's literally like they're programming you through not just the propaganda itself, but the frequency of the music they put in the films and, you know, everything, the color palettes, like all of that can be used to do various forms of mind control. 
and uh, subliminal programming and reprogramming. So I'm here for it, man. I, want, I like I already have a bunch of examples of this in my head, but I don't want to just say them in case you have them like ready to go. But if we get to the end and you haven't said some of the ones that I know of, then we're just gonna be like shooting. Um, I mean, you could I go for it, go for it. Wes, put your. That's hand about down. as far as I get into like all the deep <laughs> subliminal messaging there. Well, I was just gonna ask what a uh, uh, what was it. Batman and Robin, would that be a good example of what you're describing, Jeff? As far as what? The TV mind control. You've seen that movie, right? With the one with uh, Two-Face and uh, the Riddler. Jim Carrey. Yeah, and, a, uh, a, oh, yeah, the one with Jim Carrey. Yeah, Tommy yeah, Lee yeah, Jones. Yeah. yeah, what part yeah. are you talking about? I haven't seen that movie in like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you start uh, you know, describing what t- TV's doing to us, I instantly just start uh, daydreaming about uh, – Batman, I think it was Batman and Robin. Uh, it had, uh, I think it was Val Kilmer played Batman in that one. Oh, yeah, Val Kilmer, dude. And uh, Two Face and the Riddler, uh, they end up stealing this uh, technology where through t- television they can basically oh, yeah. take people's intelligence or whatever, I guess. And the Riddler had like the the broadcast station like, yeah, on his and island he, or someplace. Right. Like, stick the thing to their head and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I thought more of like a Clockwork orm, Orange, where they have the guy's oh, eyes yeah. peeled open, and they're like watching TV. And they're like, well, it's well, like brains getting sucked out. The, the, the programming's done. Like a lot of different things are done with the programming. Like on one hand, they might be actually injecting you with subliminal messages for you to hold on to, uh, for whatever reason, right? Say you could go, you can even go crazy with it. Say, oh, there's going to be a trigger word or something that happens later in your life and it triggers like these sub- subconscious things that have happened from watching these films Rutabaga. but some of it is also them just telling you what they're doing right so mm-hmm. like what you're talking about that's more of like hey we're just gonna let you know we're doing this kind of thing we're just gonna put it in this sci-fi movie so you think it's fake well in that one in clockwork orange uh it they were forcing him like he, he was a serial killer or whatever maniac whatever the hell however they describe him i forget it's been a while since i've seen that movie but uh they're forcing him to undergo that uh mental retraining or whatever mm-hmm. whereas in batman and robin the people are willingly doing it but they 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 just don't know exactly what it's doing to them you know right 100 percent. yeah I, I don't personally have a um any issue with was it the um anthropomorphism so it's when you uh take human qualities emotions things like that and attribute them to non-human entities so talking cars talking animals things like that i mean the grim fairy tales you know they one of their fairy tales has a talking hedgehog man you know or whatever yeah. that's just been going on for thousands of years for storytelling and or using an animal or a thing to uh promote a message Certainly, it could be utilized as a, um, you know, the bright colors and like the your favorite, you know, animal character of whatever show, you know, talking about children here, um, you know, getting them sucked into the, the programming and stuff. Because honestly, you know, and we're seeing that today, there's a lot of really, you know, iffy things like should children be 
experiencing this or being taught this or you know told about these sorts of things and they're being incorporated into every single show that they watch and what children are are more focused on is the bright colors and this is my favorite hedgehog or you know or duck or whatever it is that's talking and singing a funny song or you know whatever it is my favorite puppy um but what they're actually hearing and what parents have been you know noticing now is that what they're actually hearing is just garbage right stuff that's way too mature for them they don't need to be focused on this you know we need to send our kids back outside to go play with sticks and hit each other in the face you know and build character like that or eat a handful of dirt not being sucked in the tv because i do agree that you know although there's elements of it that aren't necessarily a bad thing because they've been used for storytelling for forever um the way it's being utilized is very sinister and it's funny to me because then I go back to my, my point in the very, in the first one was that, you know, if they're pushing all this, why don't they just show death on TV? You know, why do they, they blur out certain things? You know, why is it that they, in some regards, they're like, Oh no, can't do that. That's, that'll be disturbing. And then in other ways it's like, well, well, what about this? You know, (laughs) but yeah, it's uh interesting the way that they get you. And I mean, even like some of the shows that I watched when I was a kid, same sort of a thing. The subliminal messages were there. As a, as adults, we can go back. We can even see like um, the original uh, Mickey Mouse cartoons, right? There's elements of racism in there. There's elements of sexism in there. There's a lot of vo- vulgar humor. Um, I don't recall remembering any of that or focusing on any of that when I was a kid. Um, Obviously, I wasn't there for originals in like the 20s or 30s, but um, say like I watched a heck of a lot of Looney Tunes, a lot of Tom and Jerry. There was always someone smoking, smoking a cigar, getting drunk, violence, all sorts of stuff, right? And I mean, I thought it was funny. And whether it affected me or not, I honestly couldn't tell you um, because I only have this one life and people's experiences are different. So someone who didn't watch that stuff growing up even if, you know, they couldn't be comparable to me because our life experiences have been different, right? But we can look back at the cartoons, the movies, whatever we watch as as kids and say like, oh my gosh, look at all this subliminal messaging they're just pumping into me. And maybe we can say that it didn't have an effect and that's why things are being ramped up, you know, because like, oh, we need to do a better job at this or whatever it is, right? Whatever the, the circumstance is. And we can see that in like, you were saying in, in Wally, right? They're all in these chairs. They got this big screen in front of their face and they're just being wheeling around and they're all talking to each other on these screens and stuff. And Wally's in front of this this guy and he's trying to get his attention, but he's just talking to his his friend on this screen and it's right here in front of his face. And it's not until his chair flips over and he falls out that he's like, holy crap. And he sees everything and everybody and he's just like looking around and stuff. And he, like this whole new world he's never seen before because he's so obsessed with what's in front of him. And if you walk down the street today, what do you see? You see people walking around with their telephones in front of their faces. And though I, I almost hit a guy the other day because he walked literally right in front of me in my truck. And he's like this, just walked right off the curb. And I slammed on my brakes in front of him. He didn't even look up when I did that. I don't know if he was wearing earbuds, but he was so obsessed with what was going on right here, I could have ended his life like that. And when I watched that movie, Wally, I think it came out quite some time ago too. 
Well, I thought that was ridiculous. But here we are, right? You look around any sort of restaurant, everyone's just right here. It's right here in front of their faces, and it's completely absorbing them and all sorts of stuff. So it is. it does appear to be that whether it's a subliminal message or not, or some sort of programming or not, it is in some way they're predicting the future or at least predicting future behaviors that will be adapted. Now, you know, are we going to destroy the earth and have a Wally type scenario and fill the, you know, entire earth with trash and all that sort of stuff? I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Not <laughs> but, in our lifetime, you know, at least. Well, I, I mean, I don't know, but yeah. we'll, uh, yeah, I think that what it is, it's, I think it's the other way around to be honest with you. Cause I think that the, the programming, may not do a lot of the things. So I can get super conspiratorial, right? And I could say, oh, mm-hmm. they're programming us for this and this and this. And I can, I can, of course, tie it to some demonic entity or whatever, right? Like I can go that deep, but you don't even have to. I mean, Disney and, and things like Disney, they created such severe addictions to screens. Like they were one of the big catalysts for that. Because growing mm-hmm. up again, how many infants that can't even speak or move, they're just tied to a high chair while eating their cereal, like their mom puts on a Disney movie, right? Mm, yeah. it's, it's so, how do parents it's, calm down their kids nowadays? Oh, exactly. go find your tablet. So go the, find the screen itself is providing small infant children with all this dopamine and all these different chemicals that happen in the brain just from watching these shows that mm-hmm. when we grow up, now we're, look at us, we're in our 30s, we're in our 40s. Right. And we're all addicted to the screen on some level. Can't get our dopamine high without your screen. Exactly. I would also like Nature to doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> the biggest Disney fans that I have ever met are in their late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't even think we're necessary. I think Disney is continuously. I mean, they've been doing it since day one, but they're not just targeting young minds, they're targeting every single last one of us because they know how how highly we hold disney most people right and and like for some people i know disney is literally their entire world like they named their kids after disney characters Mm -hmm. they like their live lives revolve around disney and like they're not just targeting kids anymore they're targeting everybody now and they're especially i feel like they're especially trying to come at our generation because what are they doing they're going and remaking all the movies that we had and we loved why why not come up with a new new idea and make a new movie well we can't because pop culture is dead <laughs> yeah i mean it's done on purpose you know it, um, mind control takes repetitiveness so you can't just mind control you can't put somebody in a mind control chair in mk ultra one time and then expect to have the programming last forever right so they yeah they of course they're not just focusing on our generation but they'll never stop focusing on our generation right of course they're going to be focusing on the young younger generation every time but they'll always hold on to the first generation that really had like complete consumption of disney right until we're old and and gone right but it also programs people to do a lot of other things i mean you can look at just like like um social status for instance you know disney movies really put out that you have to be like this beautiful princess right like the beautiful princess idea and how many women Mm -hmm. now like have some weird complex where like they feel like they have to be this you know princess looking perfection all the time right with the makeup and the whatever whatever you you know what i will i will vouch for that one too um 
not so much anymore, but as a young teenager, I had a lot of insecurity issues and I just wanted to be like Jessica Rabbit. There you go. That is all I wanted to be was Jessica Rabbit. No way it would ever happen sort of proportions. (laughs) I want my guts to be smashed into my chest cavity. (laughs) A lot of people I know, they want to be Cinderella. They want to be Snow White. They want to be the princess. Like, yeah, they Disney messes with people's minds on a extreme level and I was saying this to a friend the other day. Disney is hands down the biggest bamboozle this world probably will ever see. Mm-hmm. Second. Yeah. And, you know, even even on the men's side, right? You had to either look like Prince Charming or if you were some average person, you either had no face in like the old ones. Or if you weren't white, you had no face like in and the that's old Disney problem. cartoons, right? A lot of racism. Uh, you're just a faceless person. Or you're a hideous monster and you have to win people over with the power of your personality, yep. like the hunchback. Right? And that's another problem. <laughs> because coming you don't from... have a perfectly shaped chin, right? <laughs> yeah. Coming from like the whole princess end of it. Like I wanted to be a princess, but I also wanted a Prince Charming. And of course they give you, they give you this very specific list Aryan. of this is what you're <laughs> like, this is what, yeah, this is what Prince Charming looks like. This is what he's going to do for you. Okay, now go find your Prince Charming. Well, the reality is you're never going to find exactly that, right? And like you I'm have this your image husband. in your head. I'm calling him right now. I'm telling, him, <laughs> telling your husband. You My husband that. is everything he needs to be. He's oh, good save. Good save. He is <laughs> well done. perfect for me. I never said he was perfect for the world, though. <laughs> oh, you're walking on thin ice again, Kenzar. I'm going to have to uh, Yeah, I know I am. He loves me, though, and that's okay. Did you let him out of the cave today to go outside and stretch? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. Um, the world's not ready for you yet, honey. We'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> nah. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. <laughs> next year. Oh, boy. I'll go change out your straw now. <laughs> Uh, Ready to move on? Anything else? No, I'm good. Okay. 33 Royal Street is where the very secretive Club 33 is located. The club itself is known to the public, but to become a member, find good or recent pictures of the inside, or what happens on the inside of the club is top secret. Modeled after the 1964 World's Fair, which featured four Disney exhibits... Walt wanted a place to allow executives and VIPs the chance to unwind and de-stress out of the public's eye. But where did the name Club 33 come from? Some say it's in reference to the 33 corporate sponsors Disney had at the time. Others think it's simply because of the address, which was given to the building in order for them to obtain a liquor license, uh, since it's the only place in the park that sells liquor. Uh, But rumor has it, It is actually in reference to Walt Disney being a 33rd degree Freemason. This is an interesting theory, but there is no evidence that Walt was actually a true Freemason, despite having other Masons confirm seeing Walt at Lodge meetings. What we can confirm is that he was a member of the De Molay International Organization, which is a youth group founded in 1919 and is sponsored by local Masonic Lodges. 
being that the organization is funded by Masons, you can assume they have a lot of influence on how these young men grow up. When Disneyland first opened, they offered clubs for employees to join, including a Masonic club. And rumor has it, there is an old Masonic lodge that could be accessed through a door in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. But there's absolutely no proof of this. What we do know for a fact is that De Molay played a large part in Walt's life. He had a De Molay ring that he wore until he got married to his wife Lillian and attended several ceremonies held by the group. He even hired some fellow members to work for him. You can and will find Masonic symbolism everywhere in Disney movies, comics, shows, etc., especially those from the early years of the company. So I wanted to go farther into that, but I know nothing about Freemasonry and that on its own can be a whole episode free the Disney's involvement with Freemasonry and whatnot. So I didn't want to go too far into that and just talk out of my ass. I wanted to actually know something, but Hmm. again, I don't want to create a whole new research project while I'm in the middle of a research project. So that's all you got for Freemasonry and Disney right now. Fair enough. The, freemason stuff though is pretty interesting to me and i've actually had to so i've done deep dives on freemasonry for i don't even know like 10 years right just on and off it interests the shit out of me but um a lot of people especially in the conspiracy world they'll just immediately blame freemasons and like that's an easy cop out because that's just a fraternal order right so there's people that Mm -hmm. are that are freemasons that are also part of other secret societies so they use it's it's almost as if they use Freemasonry as like a scapegoat or like a social shield a cover, a cover, right? Even yeah. though it's a secret society and everybody points at them, it's like a weird psyop type thing. So Walt Disney was part of like the Rosicrucian order, which yes. was, he was actually really part of some and other work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like he was just yeah. in these other societies, but um, yeah, that's all really super interesting stuff. And the 33 gets deep. I should do a Freemason episode one day. I was gonna go into the whole Rosicrucian thing and talk about all of that. But once again, I started getting into that and found myself diving down a completely other rabbit hole. That's a whole other research topic. So I that so yeah, I left that one out completely because of that. Way too much to go about. (laughs) We're definitely gonna have to pick those secret fraternities apart and stuff you know i have an interest in it you have an interest in it i'm sure west does too so does jeff i mean shoot that sword that's hanging in that case behind me that was my great-grandfather's sword and he was in the odd fellows that's <gasps> his ceremonial sword right there so i mean and I, I was just like oh what's this all about and stuff Gasp. so you know this is like you know there's there's things like that you know scattered throughout my family and stuff too and i mean i've known people that are freemasons that are in like the navy and stuff you know and they always kind of tell you the same thing oh we're a group of guys that are helping to better each other you know um similar to like this this you know oh we believe in god in this like sort of you know universal type form of god or whatever you know it's all very um helpful and stuff to them and you know Honestly, when it when it comes to people that I, I meet that are Freemasons, I, I'll give it to you. There, there's some really good dang liars out there, right? And there's really good um, arguers out there, right? They'll argue their point, 
you know, until you're blue in the face. And then they just, as long as they yell over the top of you and then get you frustrated and say, okay, cool. Well, great conversation. You know, I run into those sorts of people all the time, but I can't say these military members that I've met that are Freemasons, that they're, you know, necessarily lying to me or that that isn't what it is for them. But at the same time, I can't also say that these groups haven't been known to have their fingers into some really deep, gross stuff, right? So whether or not Walt Disney was a Freemason or wasn't or was a part of another secret society or wasn't, you know, the fact is that they have the symbolism all over the place. And when there was a time frame when I used to would see something like that and be like, oh, it must be some sort of a coincidence, maybe just a really cool symbol. But then you look at, you know, when did this movie come out? When were these symbols adopted by this, you know, X, Y, and Z society? You know, when did that start up? You know, all sorts of things. And you see that, well, it's way more than a coincidence. The reason why those symbols are in there isn't because it's a cool geometric shape. It's because it, you know, someone that was making that movie had a hand in it and they wanted to input their own flair for whatever purpose. I don't know, you know, maybe nefarious, maybe just like, hey, I'm going to throw this in there and maybe the editors won't see it. You know, I don't know. But as we get deeper and deeper into it and as more creepy, gross stuff gets revealed, you really start to pull yourself away from that whole like you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt and saying that someone's just like wanted to rep their stuff. Like I might tag a infinite rabbit hole sticker on like a bus or something like that. I wouldn't, but you know, let's use that as an example and say that, well, no, they're not doing that because they want to rep their group. They're doing that because this ties into that, ties into that, ties into that. And you can go into so many deep rabbit holes where it's just like you get into some, just the gross, nasty stuff. Right. And it's just like, okay, well, all this is intentional. It's I, I can't give people the benefit of the doubt when there's too much evidence towards the other side of it's intentional and it's for a reason. And it's because these people who were involved in this project were also involved in, say, Epstein's Island <laughs> you know, or something like that. Right. So it's like, OK, well, you got there's me. a whole other theory there. And I left it out on purpose. <laughs> um, but that's a whole, like. Disney Disney is the biggest bamboozle. It has its hand, they have their hands in literally everything in this world. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that with all the studios and just multimedia companies they own nowadays. Yeah, they literally own everything. Yeah. Pretty much. Like if you're watching it yeah, on yeah. TV, there's a good chance that either Disney I was going to say Netflix, but like I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Disney owns Netflix. They have a they have their hands in Netflix, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah or at least a stake in them. Oh yeah. For sure. Probably. Is yeah. is Disney part of the 13 families? Walt Disney no, but um if I did I guarantee you. I guarantee I would I'm bet. I'm sure there's some connection. I would bet almost anything that if you follow his lineage back whether it might be his dad, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, one of them Somewhere down the lines, last name is probably one of the 13 families. I would bet anything. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Anything else? Or shall we move on? I'm good. It's all for a reason. I'm trying not to just go off on the Freemason tangent, so please. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll move on then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Disney has always tried to send a message with their movies. However, I'm not talking about the be kind to everyone or don't pollute the world type messages. I'm talking more about subtle and unnoticed kinds of messages. Disney movies have all sorts of Illuminati symbolism, such as the pyramid or all-seeing eye. There's also specific spiral, spiral shapes, possibly linking these movies to sex trafficking rings. You can also see symbols such as the devil's horn, number 666, all of these carefully hidden in plain sight. It's all part of the deep state Illuminati showing these things to us, possibly sending a message to someone that's in the know. All these people want is control, to have power. So they are the ones putting out the social medias. They love to give us the narrative that fits their needs and sprinkle in some truths along the way, hoping that no one sees what they're doing. Well, we see you, Disney. Look at a reflection of the name Mickey. Kind of looks like the word wicked. It's all right there under our noses. And to make matters worse, Disney was heavily involved with Warner... Werner von Braun, who was one of the many Nazi party members to be moved into the U.S. for Operation Paperclip. Together, Disney and von Braun worked on films about space exploration for a television series, the first being called Man in Space. Man in Space aired in March of 1955, with a total of 40 million people watching. It was about how a man could possibly travel into space and how rockets and satellites worked. The second movie, Man and the Moon, December of 1955, discussed lunar research and Von Braun himself even made an appearance to discuss a trip around the moon. Finally, December of 1957, Disney Studios released the final movie in the trilogy, Mars and Beyond, which discussed the idea of everyday life on other planets. President Eisenhower even called Disney asking for a copy of Man in Space to show to show military officers, which later led to a signing of the National Aeronautics and Space Act in 1958. With that, July 29th, 1958, NASA was NASA was established and Von Braun was made director. The partnership between Von Braun and Disney isn't the sole reason that NASA was created. However, it played a large role in getting Americans to be more on board with the idea of space travel, which then led to the creation of NASA and then the moon landing in 1969. But what about the moon landing? I came across a theory that suggested that Disney may, not, may have funded the moon landing, real or not. Would it really matter if we actually made it to the moon, though? Disney would have had the money and the technology to help film and produce something as large scale as the moon landing. Not to mention, Walt was in the middle of trying to expand into television. The moon landing would be an excellent way to get the broadcasting that you'd need. Another thing Disney has always been good at is marketing. Nothing owned by Disney goes without a hidden Mickey. And if you look hard enough, you will find a Mickey Mouse head hidden somewhere. Have you ever seen the hidden Mickey on the moon? The Mercury craters have been said to look like that oh-so-familiar Mickey Mouse head, leading people to theorize that maybe Disney owns the moon. Could make sense. If they had put enough funding into the moon landing and all that extras with it, Perhaps Disney and Von Braun made a deal, allowing Walt to own and help broadcast the landing so as long as he got ownership of the moon in return. 
Um, <clears throat> Disney owning the moon, that's a stretch for me, even for me. I mean, put a price on the moon. I thought it $10. was interesting. Do I believe it? Not necessarily. The moon can't do anything for you. <laughs> it has no value except for what we assign to it. So what is the value of the moon? $5? $10? This theory also <laughs> expanded into claiming that he owned Mars and Pluto as well. Well, because of the names? Well... Do you want my explanation for that? Because none of them exist, and it's just artwork yeah. designed, you know, drawn up the, by Disney artists in their studios. Off. So of course he owns them. Shut the planet Ooh, and the, the character Pluto <laughs> were found in the same year. That's about as much yep. of a connection Trademark as I can give you there. And then they said Pluto doesn't exist because it was going yeah. against the trademark. Yeah, man. I don't know, dude. There's so much there that you just lay it on everybody um there's so much that on its own is a whole episode again i say this is just an introduction to disney i'm just scratching the surface i'm just giving you that 10 percent. not even i'm giving you two percent of this iceberg (laughs) like (laughs) go off go off jeff I mean, there's just a lot there, dude. Like the, the Operation Paperclip, man, when we brought those Nazis over here, dude, and we put those scientists to work, we had them doing the craziest stuff that humans have done, right? Whether you're talking about starting NASA, whether you're talking about the MK projects or Project Stargate, like they were doing wild stuff, right? And Disney somehow, animation. well, listen, I mean, look, <laughs> dude, realistically, somehow Walt Disney finds himself in the middle of that circle of people. Right. So he's buddy, buddy, like she said, with Werner von Braun, head Nazi scientist. Dude was sentenced to death at the Nuremberg trials. At at the beginning of Disney, he was there with him? Uh, I don't know. Him, him, well, he might have been. I don't know the full history between the two, but I know that the two of them, along with L. Ron Hubbard, the Scientology guy, and -hmm. Jack Parsons, who was uh, an occultist for Aleister Crowley's uh, Thelema, right? Like those guys started what we now know as nasa they were the guys that were in charge of all of the propaganda and all of the other stuff including nasa itself because warner von braun was in their little circle so yeah dude and and walt disney like i said with the mk projects right because there's not just mk ultra there's like a long list of mk projects and a lot of those doctors and scientists were friends with walt disney it's almost like epstein like he was like another epstein in a way where he was somehow connected to everybody in all of the industries, top levels. Why? I don't know, but I don't know if I believe that there's, there's, uh, you know, this group of people who are controlling everything. I just, after work, having had work for the government and seeing how terrible they are at doing anything, uh, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to believe that you know, there's people within our, you know, all the world's governments that are somehow able to keep this, you know, under wraps and able to control all this, all these different things, at least to the scale that, you know, you're speculating about. But, uh, yeah. Would you believe it if you read a CIA article talking about it? I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> believe, believe that because the CIA has done all kinds of crazy stuff and even, and then, you know, it was just like one part of the CIA that was doing it and the other parts didn't even know about it, you know? 
uh, you yeah. know, people that should have known about it didn't know about it. I mean, well, that's there's the all whole kinds point. of things like that happening all the time. That's yeah, the but, whole thing, right? Like, because I'm with you, man. Like, the, the government sucks at stuff, dude. Like, you give them <laughs> money to do things and it doesn't get done right, yeah, right? So I'm yeah. with you there. But it's not the government, right? That's where a lot well, of people, I, you know. I'm not saying it's the government. I'm saying the people that, that I'm sure if there is such a group that is pulling the strings, so to, so to speak, uh, th- there's going to be some of them in the government, you know, that, to sure. have influence over it. But uh it just doesn't seem possible to me, you know. Uh, sure, humans have never been good at that. It's mostly like black budget stuff, you know. Like it's it's nobody that we would know their name. Like that's my opinion on the whole thing. Like if you know their name, they're not part of the Illuminati. That's just it, right? Even well, yeah. if you throw out names like Rockefeller, like still not part of the Illuminati. Well, right? that's also so. part of what I'm what I'm saying is, if I mean, there there could be all these different small groups right uh that are hidden from everyone you don't no one knows their names except for the ones that are inside the circle but i mean they have for them to have total world domination over all the media and everything like that you know they have to be communicating and the human race has never been great at keeping secrets you know (laughs) shit always comes out unless they communicate through the symbols and the and the propaganda and nobody even realizes it. And it has a subconscious effect on other people, right? So, again, this programming works on everybody, including themselves mm-hmm. to a certain extent. So, like, I, if you knew what, you know, this symbol was and you knew what it meant, right? Like, you knew its real origins and, the, and you even knew the color had a meaning and all the things. If you just knew that from your time on Earth. And then I put this very specific symbol in something it's going to invoke thoughts and emotions in you because you know what it is. Right. Well, so, how are the other groups going to know what those symbols mean? If they well, don't, I don't, yeah, there's they so only many communicate groups. through that. There's so many groups and there's, they're fighting amongst themselves. That's why they don't have full control. I think the thought that the Illuminati has full control is another psyop to make us feel like we have no control. In reality, they have almost no control, but what they do have control of is the entertainment in the in the propaganda so it's easy for them to make us feel like they're in control when in reality it's like you said totally unorganized totally out of control mm-hmm. they get some things right here and there and then they push the propaganda so hard on that that it just throws the rest of us into the spiral of like oh shit these people are running the world mm-hmm. I, I think we're i think we're getting to a, a place where that symbolism i think it's going to go away soon because people are so indoctrinated into whatever cult they're trying to push that they're not even hiding stuff anymore. So say like, like Kenzar said, Mickey looks like wicked, right? Or wicked looks like Mickey, one of the two or, you know, whatever it was. Think about when like Walt Disney first started up, you know, the Disney franchise. If you look back in history, people were, you know, the nuclear family was pretty much the go-to, right? There was a mom and a dad, and there was some kids, and they had, you know, the, the American dream of the white picket fence and all that stuff. I'm just going to single out America here. I know that there's all kinds of stuff going on all over the world, but just single out America. Um, more people than now went to church every single Sunday. You know, whether that meant for them, it meant anything to them on a personal level or not, you know, this is just the statistics is that more people went to church. Um, 
people were generally happier, generally happier with their jobs, generally happier with their lives, um, more conservative type values, right? Um, there was definitely some bad stuff going on, you know, when this had its start. Um, talk about racism again. That was a thing, right? There was a bunch of stuff, right? But generally speaking, people were a lot different then than we are now, right? So a lot of those things, a lot of those the symbols and stuff needed to be there, and the subliminal messaging needed to be there, because otherwise it would have been shut down right away. They'd have been like, heck no. You know, the invention of the TV comes out, and the first thing that comes on there is, you know, some, some subliminal messaging and stuff. And it had to be hidden, and it had to be so secretive that, you know, say this is ch- child's programming. Well, dad didn't have time to watch his kids' shows because he has to go to work, right? Or he has to go get drafted into the war or whatever it is. Um, so kids over there getting their brains sucked out by these uh, by these shows and the programming and all kinds of stuff. Now we look at, like, right now, I mean, they're not hiding anything anymore. We have celebrities, you know, on TMZ bragging about how they drink each other's blood for a freaking uh, occult sacrifice, you know, occult uh, whatever ritual. And they're like, oh, it's just a little bit of blood. We have people, Shut up, you Wes. know, rap artists. No, that are, I, they're I, making, no. you know, they're making uh, Nike shoes with human blood on them that say 666. And it's all about the devil. It's all about this, that, and the other. It's not. They're not hiding anything anymore, and I think that we might come to a, a, a point where they're not going to be hiding it because it's already being worshipped, and people are getting behind it and saying, oh, it's so – you're so like, you know, oh my gosh, you're so breaking away from the norms and all sorts of stuff, and they, they worship these sorts of people, these people that just have the craziest lifestyles that are so like, look at me, you know, and, and way, way out there. And so we might see a, a phase here probably really soon where they're not going to need these sort of symbolisms anymore because people are going to be so indoctr- indoctrinated into this cult that they're going to be like, yes, yes, worship Satan. Yes, absolutely. You know, oh, my gosh, that's that's, you know, what I wanted this my whole life is to just break away from, you know, the the way my parents structured my life and all kinds of stuff. And I just want to worship the devil. And that in itself isn't a stretch to say if you just turn on the TV right now, just get off this episode, go turn on the TV, flip through the current news and stuff, see what people are doing, see what the music industry is doing, see what sort of lyrics are being promoted, see what movies are on, see what's in your kids, you know, cartoon shows. You don't even have to all do of that. that stuff. You could just go there. ask anybody, right? you know, if you go ask 20 people, you know what they think about just, you could use the, any God, just religion in general. It doesn't have to be any particular religion. Guarantee you more than half of those people will just say it's absolutely fake. It's fake. They hate it. You know, they yeah. hate God for various so reasons or whatever. It is. But it's just it's like bad. even just yeah. like in in a non-religious sense, the most outlandish you can be, the craziest lifestyle you can have, the most break away from the norm sort of person you can be is being worshipped these days. So I think that we're probably seeing less subliminal messaging and more in your face because they don't need it anymore. Because they're not trying to trick people anymore. Because they've gotten people obsessed with what they've been pushing for 60, 70 years. And it's worked, right? And so we're just going to keep devolving. And just, they're going to break down societies like that. But what I I will say is that that's just America. Because if you go, you know, the 
the ability to be a sailor, right. And be able to go all the way all around the world and stuff against my will. Um, and you know, <laughs> Wes had this, had this too, was that you go to other cultures around the world where they say in Portugal, right. Nudity on the beaches and it's no big deal. Or, uh, South Korea, where you can be intoxicated in public, no big deal, as long as you don't start a fight or do something stupid or like hurt yourself or whatever it is, right? Yeah. As long as you stay inside of certain boundaries and parameters, they have rules that would never be allowed, or at least not that I can foresee in America. Or, you know, hey, here's nudity on a billboard in Europe. Or here's, you know, instead of over here where they blur out anything that has gore in it, they show that Drinking stuff, Drinking right? limits. Drinking ages right. is a great Drinking example ages. of that. You know, smoking uh, smoking cannabis, things like that, right? So there's, there's things that have been going on for just forever in these other countries. So as far as, like, that goes for them, I have no idea how that's going to affect them because, you know, the things that – people used to be shocked about in the United States was, Oh my gosh, that cat was smoking a cigarette, you know, they freak out about it, but that's been, you know, allowed for forever over in Europe and all over the place. Right. So I don't know how, you know, what sort of levels this sort of um, propaganda is being pushed into the United States or into countries that are similar to the United States as far as their laws go and, you know, what sort of traditional values look like in the United States versus other places like, I don't know, Asian countries, African countries, you know, whatever, uh, European countries. Um, no idea. But I will say that I, I can see just from my lifetime the breakdown of society and how quickly it's changed you know, some things for the better, some things for the worse. But I can also see in media, in just like, because I mean, we have YouTube. You could literally right now YouTube the very first Mickey Mouse cartoon that ever came out. Somehow, someone put it on YouTube. And you can look at that and you can watch pretty much everything you could ever, you know, Amazon see on TV. Amazon Prime right? currently has, they're not Disney branded, but it has Donald Duck as the thumbnail. Um, you can watch wartime cartoons on Amazon mm -hmm. Prime, and it's yeah. all—it's all Disney propaganda, is what it is. Yeah, Disney before Disney was Disney. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I can just say for me, like if if I look at a cartoon that's being put out now, or a movie, or some song, or whatever, and I I take that and I sample it against something that I, I thought was very cool when I was, you know. 10, 11, 12 years old, um, my mom would have thrown the TV out the window. There's no way that would have been played in our household. And you can see that what society doing and what's going on in the media. And since we're looking at Disney, what's specifically going on with Disney. And now it's hard to even tell the difference because Disney buys everything up, right? They're like, uh, they're like Walmart. They just destroy all the mom and pop stores and just yep. suck them into the, uh, the system and stuff. Right. And they're like Amazon, you you know, I can get anything on Amazon. I don't need to even leave my house, right? They just take all this stuff and they suck it into their system and it becomes them. And Disney's doing that with at least most of the media, it seems, you know. And they have they have their reaches into when these Disney stars grow up and they become, you know, whatever actors or whatever musicians or whatever it is, they have their feelers that follow them into that industry and then yeah. they suck everything else into, you know? So it's like, it's, it's hard to see, you know, where 
they begin and where they end. But yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah. We're we're about halfway through. I got a couple more smaller sections here and then a and a big one. A fun one. You guys ready? Mm, let's get it. Okay. Despite working so close with Von Braun, Walt had a little side gig of his own. And I'm not talking about his involvement with the Freemasons. We're done with the Freemasons. It is said that Walt was an FBI informant. He was buddy-buddy with J. Edgar Hoover, after all. Who was J. Edgar Hoover, though? He was the top guy for the FBI. During this time, workers for Disney Studios were going on strike, demanding better pay, and Walt believed that the strikes had something to do with communist interference. So he paired up with Hoover to try and remove these people from the crowds and get his business back on track. Walt even called out an animator he had working for him, David Hilberman, and told the FBI that, quote, because he, David, had no religion and studied in Moscow, he must be a communist, end quote. Later on, there were even episodes of Mickey Mouse Club that were dedicated to the FBI. The relationship Walt had with all these people is very interesting, and who's to know what happened or had been said off the books? Now, I don't want to dive too deep into this, but Disney has been known for some not okay things like being a Nazi supporter, a racist, and a bit of a pedophile. In the early days of Disney, there were many products released that had some prejudice in them. For example, there was a book called Mickey Mouse and a Boy Named Thursday, which was about a young African boy who was shipped to Mickey's house in a banana package. Nice going, Disney. Over the years, especially recent years, many Disney employees have been arrested for their involvement in child sex trafficking rings. This all seems to get brushed under the carpets, though, and you really don't hear about any of these sort of things. And I'm sure we all know why. Can't ever ruin the Magic Kingdom for everyone with such terrible things, don't you know? So there was that. You guys got anything on that? So I was right. Nice. Yeah, I mean... That's been happening for years. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff is, is 100% true, man. I mean, they, you know, and... Uh, you know, like, I have, like, a weird visceral reaction when I hear any of the Alphabet Soup boys, right? You give me a three-letter agency, and, like, I have this weird internal, like... Cringe. Yeah, you know, because I just know that they're all up to some weird shit that they shouldn't be doing you right and it's just like so i don't know man but yeah all that stuff's real dude and like i said man i think that guy was like part of he was like another epstein whether it was the same kind of honeypot or not i don't know but he was definitely like uh you know a central cog in the machine of things i know this is like a crap on disney episode but um (laughs) just to play the the side of the benefit of the doubt, right? Or the uh, the other side of a large corporation, any large corporation, name one, right? Disney, Walmart, Target, whatever, it doesn't matter. Someone in the, the high up gets nabbed for kitty porn on their on their, you know, desktop or whatever it is, or they're caught doing some sort of sex trafficking ring or their drug trafficking or whatever it is. 
doesn't necessarily mean that the entire company is promoting and pushing that sort of stuff. So I will say that, but it certainly does seem like Disney's whole thing is promoting and pushing that sort of stuff. Um, you know, and it's, uh, I, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's hard to say. I think that we, we tend to look at these corporations as like a single entity and anyone that's working for them is automatically some scumbag, you know, nefarious creep. Right. But that doesn't, isn't necessarily the case. The janitor, I'm certain, at Disney has no clue about what's going on in corporate, right? They just are happy to have a job where I'm sure they get paid relatively well, right? Even some of the the actors and stuff, you know, I'm sure they get paid relatively well and they probably really do enjoy their jobs of being able to dress up and, and see kids smile and laugh and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think that, you know, the whole system is corrupted. But I wonder how deep it goes and where its original start happened as far as like promoting and pushing this sort of stuff. Because like, you know, we've all seen it, right? And we, we talked about this prior to this episode was like, you know, everyone's seen like the wiener on the uh, Little Mermaid cover, right? At least until they uh, they, they took it down. Or the, you know, when in The Lion King, when Simba lays down and the dust goes up and it spells out sex and stuff, right? That was available for people to see. What's up? They actually came out and said that wasn't the word sex. That was actually SFX. Yeah, I bet. And it was a shout out to one of their departments. I read that and I laughed my ass off. Bunch yeah, just because someone says liars. no, that's that's untrue doesn't mean that it's untrue. Yeah, I, I just you said that, though, and it made me I wanted to share that because as I was reading that, I was laughing my ass off because all I could think was what a bunch of fucking liars. Right. And you see that with like, you know, and when they were called out about it, like the the cover of the like the, the Golden Castle on the cover of The Little Mermaid, when they were called out about it, instead of saying, no, that's not what it's supposed to be and leaving it at that, they quickly changed it. So if you can snatch yourself up an old VHS copy that has that, apparently they go for quite a bit of money these days, especially if they're still wrapped up. But they didn't deny it and say, no, that's ridiculous. You know, get your mind out of the gutter. They were like, oh, and they like they changed it. Right. So at what point was this stuff starting to get promoted and who was all involved in it? You know, it's easy to point at the guy at the very, very top, you know, Walt Disney himself and say, this is the start. This is where it all came from. Um, but as we go deeper and deeper into this, you know, cause that's how I've always felt was just like, well, you know, I don't know if it was him, if it was design crew, one man with a massive worldwide corporation can't be controlling every single piece. Right. But it For certainly know, seems it as if, life. well, I mean, right. Like he, I mean, could have been anybody. It, it could have been right. But as we get into this, it certainly seems that he must have known. You can't really play everything off as, oh, it was the times, you know, that super, super duper horrible racist, you know, movie or TV show or whatever you said it was, you know, with the, the kid being shipped in the banana box, you know. That was a book. Oh, book. There you go. That was a um, book. You I mean, can't always say, oh, well, it was just the times because, you know, my grandparents grew up in those times and they weren't racist, right? Well, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that not everyone was racist. They could have been just an outlier, you know, the exception to the rule. I was going to say right. uh, back then people were 
pretty pretty fucking racist uh i would go as far as say a majority of people you know um and so i could i could easily see that you know for me cartoons have always just been an exaggeration of what's happening in real life you know at those times and as we, you know you were talking about earlier how uh you know all the disney stuff that's been put out from you know the early stuff that first mickey mouse cartoon all the way to now it's just like representations of what's going on in the current the current times uh to me i've always just pictured that stuff as a, an exaggeration of what's already happening you know uh so i think it's a bit bit of a stretch that uh it's anything more than that you know so you don't think that there's like nefarious programming and stuff going on you think that it's just pretty much a mirror um i think the early stuff was legit uh to say that that's not happening now at some level today uh is it's everywhere it's in it's not just in anything disney it's in every right. movie every tv show even commercials advertisements advertisements that we see for businesses or products on tv or wherever there's little things that are you know we we may not consciously notice but our subconscious catches it and that you know forces our mind to remember whatever the hell it was you know um you know, you, you know, movies have uh, paid pro- product placement and shit like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always front and center. It's just something in the background or something that's at the corner of the screen that you see, you know, advertisements. Some of them, you look at them, there'll be a person in it that has like a, a six finger in one hand or there's a third random arm coming from somewhere or, you know, I don't know, some body part on a person's face is backwards, you know, but you don't notice it at first glance. It's just you see it for a second and then that one little thing, your subconscious notice and forces your brain to remember it, you know? So then you'll next time you're out at the store or whatever, you'll subconsciously think about it and be like, Oh, I want this, you know, I want this extra finger (laughs) or this product. Yeah. I definitely agree with all that, but I, I, I still believe that it's more of a society is more of a product of the programming rather than, the programming being like a exaggeration of what society is and stuff like that. I don't know. Cause you could go back to like the fifties and the sixties. Right. And like well, Jake I'm... was saying, it was a totally different time and people had different set of values and the culture was different. And then as the propaganda kept getting pumped out more and more and more, you see a degradation in society. So I mean, I I wasn't saying that about every show or movie. Or, I was just saying, uh, you know, the old Disney cartoons was just an exaggeration of what was happening right. in real life. And some of the stuff to this day that Disney's put out is an exaggeration of real life things, you know. But I and I'm not saying that uh, that's not the case now. That media is controlling, you know, brainwashing us, you know. Whereas back then, it wasn't. Uh, I, like we agree on that uh, today, you know, the main objective that, you know, these corporations and everything want is for people to consume their product, whether it's a TV show, it's a, you know, laundry detergent, clothing, whatever, nothing is built to last. They just want you to spend your money, buy their, whatever it is, their product and be happy with it. You know, without thinking twice about it. Word.
We should have done this on <laughs> Jeff's show so he didn't have to be so politically neutral and like be vague about who we're talking about. <laughs> we could have just come out with it. Just been like <laughs> citing specific <laughs> information. <laughs> to be fair, I bash all politics on my show. That's right. So. Yeah. We could have gone you do. all out. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't even I, I, I imagine the majority of listeners there are they're going to have in their head like us saying these these things they're going to already be thinking oh this company or whatever does it you know they are sure they already know a majority of people recognize that this is happening it's just that <clears throat> most people are happy to just let it continue mm-hmm. you know because it doesn't think affect them personally they think it's not affecting them personally right uh no good stuff non-religious from moscow definitely a communist <laughs> <laughs> obviously come on those are two of the two red flags <laughs> shall we move on this is a big section this next one do it and then uh let's see yeah this is the last section but it's a big section so you guys Send ready it. yeah good luck Send don't, mess okay. don't mess up don't mess up Since the Disney parks first opened, there have been lots of unthinkable things that have taken place. Over the years, there have been many park goers that want to spread their loved ones' ashes on rides, specifically in the Haunted Mansion rides. Despite asking visitors not to do this, spreading ashes is a common thing that happens at the parks, and on a monthly basis, the employees have to call a code to have the ashes cleaned up safely and properly. If you're caught spreading ashes at Disney, you will be escorted from the property. They take this matter very seriously. Why is this a thing, though? I saw something that suggested people did this in hopes that their loved one's ghost would haunt the park, or at least whatever ride their ashes were spread at, and that they can forever be in the Magical Kingdom. I'm sure we all know that's not how it works, but there has been reports of hauntings over the years. There's been rumors of Pirates of the Caribbean being haunted, not only because they used real skeletons when the ride first opened, but also because of George the Welder. George was a welder that worked on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride during its construction. Some say he was crushed by a heavy sheet of metal. Others claim he fell many stories and died upon impact. But what is for sure is today's ride operators must say good morning and good night to George every single day. If they don't, the ride will malfunction and have issues throughout the day. The pirates aren't the only ones who are haunted, though. Of course, the haunted mansion has to be haunted, too, right? There are all sorts of ghost stories that have come from the ride, including a story that involves a young boy. Remember when I said that Disney was super against people spreading ashes in the park? Well, a mother did exactly that spread the ashes of her son on the Haunted Mansion ride, California, and since then, there have been stories of cast members hearing a young boy crying for his mother. Some even some even claim to see him next door at Pirates. Haunted Mansion, Florida is also said to be haunted. In 2004, a photo was shared of what looked like to be a young boy peering out from a doom buggy. The photographer claimed that there was no one in the area when she snapped the pic and that there wasn't a child that young in the lineup in front of her. There have been so many different ghost stories to come out of the haunted mansions. 
Thankfully, the majority of them were made up by Imagineers to help aid the experience. Other attractions in the park that claim to have ghosts are Space Mountain, the Matterhorn, the Monorail, and It's a Small World, and many others. Each of these rides have their own interesting ghost stories. And if you'd like to hear more about these stories, let me know. I can dive deep into them and we can find out how haunted these parks actually are. One ghost story I can't leave out, though, is about Walt Disney himself. Many park goers and cast members have claimed that Walt's ghost roams the park. During the park's construction in early days, Walt and his wife Lillian had an apartment above the firehouse. Uncle Walt would like to light a lamp and leave it in the firehouse window so that people knew he was home. Walt passed on December 15, 1966, but some claim he never really left the park or carried on. There is a story of a maintenance worker who claimed she turned off the lamp after cleaning the apartment. Locked up, she looked back and noticed that the lamp was still lit. Thinking she might have just forgotten, she went back up to put the lamp out. Locked up once again, looked back at the building and saw that the lamp was once again lit. For the third time, she went up to put the lamp out but decided to hang out for a little bit to see what might happen. After a few moments, the lamp turned back on without her or anyone else touching it. She also claimed to hear someone say, I'm still here. To this day, the lamp still burns as a symbol of Walt's presence in the park, and current cast members even even claim to hear footsteps coming from above while in the fire station. The hauntings, for the most part, are all fun and games. Throughout the years, there have also been many deaths in the park, both parkgoers and employees. Of course, there have been natural deaths, such as heart attacks, but I want to talk about a couple different stories that are a bit more tragic than the rest. In 1977, a four-year-old boy climbed over the two-foot fence to go swimming in the castle moat. It was too deep for the boy, and he drowned. 2004, a cast member who was dressed up as Pluto was run over and crushed by the Beauty and the Beast float during the daily Disney parade. Other employees had to have a forklift in order to get the victim out from underneath the float. In 2009, a Disney monorail driver was killed when the monorail crashed into another stationary carriage, crushing the driver. He passed when authorities attempted to cut him out of the wreck. There have also been several suicides. In 1994, a 75-year-old man jumped from the 14th floor. Then from the same 14th floor, another man jumped again in 1966. There is a rumor that no one has ever been pronounced dead in the parks and that Disney actually has a policy on this. However, this is exactly that. Nothing more than a rumor. There is no policy. A story that I really wanted to look into was the story of Debbie Stone. Deborah Stone was born June 18, 1956 in Santa Ana, California, and was the first child of Bill and Marilyn Stone. Growing up, she excelled in both academics and athletics, graduated high school with honors, and enrolled at Iowa State University. In order to save up for her tuition, she wanted to get a summer job, and like any other teenager, she dreamed of working at Disney. Summer of 1974, she went ahead and applied for a job at Disneyland and soon was hired to be a hostess. 
See, she was assigned to work at the new America Sings attraction, which opened on June 29, 1974. America Sings was replacing the Carousel of Progress and featured a 24-minute show with four big musical acts, all sang by animated animals. The show's master of ceremonies was an American bald eagle named Sam. It should be mentioned that the stages of the building could rotate. This allowed for the audience to experience the show in sequence. When the Carousel of Progress was functional, the stage rotated clockwise, which was away from the walls where the hostesses normally stood. When America Sings opened, they changed the direction of the stages, so they rotated counterclockwise towards the wall. As a hostess, Debbie's job was to stand on the left side of the stage near the wall and greet the audience as they came and went. July 8th, Debbie was scheduled to work a night shift, but before she went to work, she called her parents to tell them they were, she was engaged. Everyone was so happy for Debbie, and she was excited for the days to come. Later that night, around 10.30 p.m., the audience in the adjacent theater heard blood-curdling screams during the 45-second interview intervals as the stages were rotating. Debbie got stuck between the stationary wall and the rotating stage. No one is 100% sure as to how this happened, but it is believed she either stepped or tripped backwards or was trying to jump from the stage as it started to rotate and got caught. I want to read a quick article or a little article that I came across. Girl employee killed at Disneyland. Summertime employee Deborah Gale Stone, 18, was crushed to death Monday night at Disneyland's new $6 million attraction, America Sings. The five foot two inch brunette was caught between a stationary and moving wall as an outer ring of six theaters rotated like a merry-go-round past a central fixed inner stage. The attraction, which opened June 29th, was closed indefinitely while Disneyland investigated how the accident, believed to be impossible, happened. Miss Stone's job was to greet audiences at the beginning of a 24-minute program and bid them goodbye at the end. She stood at the front on the left side of the stage and spoke through a microphone. She died at 11 p.m. during a 45-second interval, interval when the audience had left her theater and it was moving into position to start a new cycle. Daniel Robson, 33, a member of the Air Force from Castle Air Force Base near Merced, was sitting with his family in the front row of an adjoining theater. He told investigators he looked to his right, saw what he thought was a child being pulled between the platform and the wall, and heard a scream. When the platform stopped, he said he notified operators. Miss Stone of 1633 Avalon Street, Santa Ana, was the first employee to be killed in an accident at Disneyland during its 19-year history. Four visitors in the park have died from other incidents. Happiest place on earth, huh? Right? Isn't it? Ghosts aren't real, but if they were, um, it's a small world would definitely be haunted. (laughs) That ride is creepy. Is a whole other thing on its own too. (laughs) I could, I could. That's the thing with this. Like I said, I'm just, I'm just giving you the introduction to things. It's a small world can probably be its own episode. Or, or like half an episode, maybe. But. Jeff, what's the uh, significance behind the number 14? Uh, the number 14, I don't know. Okay. Probably nothing. It's probably nothing to it, to be honest with you. I mean, the day that uh, 
Walt Disney died is interesting though, because there's a six 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 in that date. But you know, who am I? I'm just a crazy conspiracy theorist. But I That's think true. that there's a lot to. I don't believe in ghosts either. However, I do believe that um, there is probably energies that can be invoked and or captured through various occult practices, right? So, you know, if you want me to get real conspiratorial about this, I would just say something like, I don't know, uh, Disney has all this occult symbolism and propaganda and, you know, they use the 666 and all these different symbols all the time everywhere. So it doesn't surprise me that people are dying in the park and haunting it because their energies are trapped there maybe like some kind of uh battery but i don't know that's just a thought it's the battery to power the machines souls something it's like a, that it's a giant soul gym yeah something like that i just kind of made that up right now so. <laughs> Dude, that freaking uh that dusting of the ashes is gross all, all i could think of was fucking grody <laughs> That's nasty. I was reading they have to call a HEPA code like three, four times a month. I'm not even it's surprised. gross. Like it is dis- I'm sorry, but if you are one of the people out there who have spread ashes at Disneyland, you're gross. You you are nasty. Yeah. You are gross. You are so gross. What went through yeah. your head to think that that was okay? You're a nasty, gross person. Yes. <laughs> You're like everyone else. You pick some river somewhere and throw them in there. Right. <laughs> it's just going to end up the in the rides. trash can anyways. The janitor is going to sweep it up and put it in the trash can. That, so. And that's another thing I read. They literally just come over, sweep it up. They they have fancy guys that have the whole get up, like mm-hmm. the, the, the monkey suit and everything. Suck it a shop back. Yep. Throw yep. Dumpster. They vacuum it up. And then just throw it in the dumpster. Your loved one? Trays in Club 33. <laughs> you literally just made your loved one trash. Just saying. You were better off keeping those ashes to yourself. <laughs> Plant a tree with them. Right? Kids. For sure. And I mean, you know, there's so many people that go to Disney every year. So, like, people dying there. What are you going to? I mean, it's expected honestly mm. right so many people in and out of there of course you're gonna have freak accidents every once in a while again i'm not really big on ghosts but you know i mean maybe stuff is haunted uh, you know I'm, I'm not convinced on the ghost thing but uh i don't know man all of the disney parks have some sort of ghost story and they're they all seem to be fairly original stories um it's not like it's not like George the Welder haunts every single right haunt, like pirates, right? Or haunted mansion or whatever. But it, like they all have their own stories, but I don't know if I buy that they're all real. There's a lot considering that majority of the stories from the haunted mansion are all just made up stories by imagineers that work for the parks what's stopping them from creating any sort of for all we know george the welder is just another imagineer story right like or just people really i mean you know i live in florida i've lived in orlando my whole life so going to disney is like a normal regular occurrence for the most maybe not now because i'm older but you know it used to be all the time we used to go to disney all the time and every time we would go, you know, you go with the whole family and your cousins and shit and a couple friends would come. 
and even we would make up shit. We'd be like, yeah, dude, did you know that uh, in uh, that one ride, that guy got decapitated in the ride and everybody'd be like, what? Yeah. Like, and, and it's like, I'm what just making it? this up right now, you know, cause I'm 12 and like, that's what you do. Yeah. So I think a lot of those stories are just that too. <laughs> no way, dude. Yeah. Don't stand up. Dude. Keep your arms down, bro. You're lose your <laughs> arms like that one guy did. Shoot, people's people do that now, like on a smaller level. When I'm on deployment, one of my favorite things to do when we're in River City, when you can't have communication coming in or out because of whatever operations going on, they call it River City. I like to uh, start a rumor in the galley that a certain actor died, and then see how fast it spreads. It's awesome. It, it'll happen in like a matter of Watch hours. The panic. Someone, Pick someone from your shop will tell you that an actor died, and you'll be like, "Oh, nice," <laughs> <You know? laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> Or something, something like that, right? It's something that everyone will talk about. You just pick something. I would never believe that if someone spread a rumor like that. Be like, because no one, no one ever asked. They're like, "Well, how'd you get in that information?" Be like, "Oh, the officer I, and us were talking about it." A guy no <laughs> knows a guy. God, that knows a yeah. guy. That knows a guy. That's wild. No, I, I feel for the people that have seen, um, that have been a witness to tragic um, events. You know, whatever, whatever that may be, because someone, some the first person rolled up on you know those two people that killed themselves, right? Um, that uh, that guy from Castle Air Force Base that you know heard that lady screaming while she was crushed in the machine. That that sort of stuff sticks with you. I've seen some pretty terrible stuff so far in my you know almost thirty one years, and s- sucks to say, you know, at the end of my life, I may like forget who my wife is and who my kids are, you know. But I have a hard time believing that I'll forget that stuff. So it, it stay, stays with you because it's so out of the normal, right? Yeah. It just kind of sears its way into your brain. So I do feel for people that have been through that sort of stuff or have seen that or witnessed that or whatever. But And I agree with what Jeff was saying. There's so many dang people that go to Disneyland and Disney World and you know, all that stuff. You can't have something that's that big and not have someone have a heart attack every once in a while You know, that's there. Or, um, you know, that there's somehow just immaculate safety measures and some accident doesn't happen every once in a while, whether that's a uh, yeah. dismembering, a, a killing or, a, you know, whatever. Um, someone bumps their shin, you know, s- something happens all the time, right? But that's just like, that's just life. But, yeah, I don't know. Um don't believe in ghosts whatsoever. Small world is definitely haunted if they are, if they do exist. Um, the dusting of the ashes is gross, real gross. Even though I don't even really know if there's any germs to be transferred because it's they're just you know it, it's it's ashes. But still, the concept of it is, is that was a pretty, person it's at one gross. point. It's still gross. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Scrubby. If if you knew about it. <laughs> If you knew about it, it would put a way different thing than just be like, man, that ride was really dusty, you know? <laughs> just like, you know? It's like, got all <laughs> if of my If I got off a ride and... and somebody said that to me, I I would probably throw up. Well, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Now It would have been just like, oh, what? what's this weird layer of dust, you know? Someone should have like, cleaned this up, you know? And you're, yeah. it gets all over your face and in your mouth and stuff. But now, like, now you know. Like, Why has it got to get in your mouth, bro? Yeah, like, because like, like, is that still considered cannibalism? Like, 
Ryan's move. Yeah, it just, just had to throw in. the in your mouth. Right and Joan over here. Lungs. Yeah, that, that's, that's worst case scenario. That's why he said it because that's worst yeah. case scenario. Dude, I, I but, am uh, a germaphobe. That would be the worst case scenario. That, like, I'm I would, not a germaphobe, would, and that would be worst case scenario. I would yeah. sue them. I would sue Disney and retire. So maybe, you know, just maybe it'll happen to me, and then I'll be set for life. So You need Fingers to start crossed. hitting up Disney on a regular basis. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, you, 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 you go in, it's a small world, and you come out looking like Tom Cruise from that War of the Worlds War movie. War of the Worlds. Where he's got all oh, dust all over him. Dusted up. <laughs> Like yeah, what are you covered in? And he like moves and it just all shakes off. Yeah, if you can that... sue McDonald's for hot coffee burning you, you can definitely sue Disney for yes. someone's ashes getting caught in your throat. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. luck, dude. Good luck suing Disney. Yeah. You want to talk about a legal team? <laughs> I guarantee you, Disney's legal team budget is probably more than everybody that listens to the show's annual income combined. Oh, of course. I would say that's only what like their, what fifteen their bucks? lawyers make individually <laughs> is worth is more than that. Yeah, yeah, probably you're probably right. Yeah, one of those guys probably makes <laughs> a couple mil easy. Mm. Yep. So start practicing laws. What you're saying? You Shady, dirty you law. Start start riding it's a small world and space mountain every day and hope to get a mouthful of <laughs> grandma people. people <laughs> grandma dust. <laughs> Grandma dust. <laughs> Man, dark, disturbing. Gross. I think the reason why we haven't done a missing 411 in a while is because all of our episodes become so dark and disturbing towards the end anyway. It's just like the audience is just getting their their daily do- or their weekly dose of just like messed up crap. <laughs> Bigfoot. There you go. You know, when I when I said Buddy was getting in his monkey suit, I was gonna make a joke and say get in his Bigfoot suit, not his mm. monkey suit. But should've. I should have. I missed my opportunity. Yeah. We're deleting the whole episode now. It's done. It's trash. <laughs> Sorry, it guys. <laughs> Sorry. <Start over. laughs> it, was that? Was that I'm all? Sorry, that? Eh? Uh No, I have closing thoughts, and that's that's the end of Disney. Closing thoughts. You want them now, or you got something? We'll go. You go ahead. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll read my paragraph and then you go right ahead. Well, travelers, I hope you enjoyed this episode. When I started my research for this episode, I thought it was going to be a lot simpler than it really is. I would have loved to dive deeper into some more specific topics, such as dear uncle Walt's involvement with the FBI or Freemasonry. There's even big topics I didn't mention, such as project immortality. However, these topics on their own are just so big. All I could do for this episode was introduce them to you. If these topics interest you, let us know, and I can dive even further into the not-so-wonderful world of Disney. But for now, that's all I have for this topic. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and join our Facebook. And of course, head on over to the website where you'll be able to find some Wicked merch and leave us a voicemail. That's all I got for this episode. Anybody else? I'm I'm excited to get into like more specifics of all these topics, right? Because one of my favorite things is Disney and all the shenanigans and the occult research and stuff. So I'm stoked for that. I'm stoked for the, you know, if you don't want to get into the Freemason stuff and and attach to Disney, maybe I'll do that in one episode. Um, definitely about it. Definitely about just going down the list of all the fucked up propaganda and all the kids movies definitely going to do that too so i'm stoked for those things 
but it was good. I'm excited for this. Thank you. I'm just as excited for this as I am for the Giants series. Hmm. I only got one thing to say. Stop spreading grandma's dust all over the park. <laughs> it's Unless gross. it's in Wes's mouth. I agree. <laughs> just throw it directly in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> water balloon full of dust. Pocket right sand. In throat. Pocket <laughs> sand. <laughs> Pocket sand. Pocket ash. Oh boy! <laughs> 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 yeah, no, Kenzo, you you definitely uh, you definitely pulled through with this episode. Um, I was certainly worried in the very beginning that it was going to be the same recycled information because generally, when people talk about Disney and all the messed up stuff that Disney does, it's the same stuff over and over and over again, yeah. and no one seems to have any real deep dive type stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I loved it, you know. Definitely difficult to uh, – <laughs> we need to go over to Jeff's show so we don't have to be, you know, obscuring names and companies and things like that. Yeah, just come that's, out with it, but, um, that's why I kind of yeah. walked around certain things. Like I said in there, I didn't want to touch too deep on this little subject, yeah. but I want to make you all aware that this is here. Right. Sort of thing, right? And if – I mean, hey, if you if you follow what Jeff does, you know, he'll – come right out with it and say that it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on it's all the same thing right it's all they all have their hands in the same honeypot so um you know we will stay politically neutral on this show jeff won't you know on his show um but that's just kind of how we we roll over here but certainly it, it seems that the disney topic and why disney's messed up and how disney's messed up and you know uh it just goes so deep in so many different things so i'm also very excited to you know break into all the different areas and stuff and you know yeah it's you definitely uh you definitely came through really well with this episode i think that you, you know i think that the listeners will really enjoy it and if they don't well we're gonna do it anyway <laughs> so there that we are it happens so screw them and yeah. no more ashes <laughs> definitely no more ashes please we ask kindly <laughs> but yeah that's all i got for today's episode awesome i'm glad y'all enjoyed it i uh not gonna lie i was really worried about it because it was such a big i thought again a lot smaller than it actually was so i had no idea what i was actually getting myself into but i'm really glad that you guys enjoyed this presentation that i have for you today <clears throat> i had fun good. researching this so you've done good well thanks well if that's everything thanks for joining us down this path of the infinite rabbit hole and we'll see you next time bye 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 <laughs> <laughs>